Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey, podcast listener, this is Rob Sestronino. I'm the Rob, and Rob has a podcast, and the new season of Survivor is just getting started, and we've got new episodes for you five days a week. Join us for interviews with your favorite past Survivor players in this season's losers right after they get their torch snuffed. Listen free to Rob Has a Podcast, exclusively available on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the Podcast One app. And if you like the show, why not share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get on mandate. Get it on. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for telling a friend, and thanks for making... What's the name of this show? CarCast. CarCast, <laughs> the hottest. <laughs> That's why I'm the most enthusiastic about this. It's the hottest... Uh, it's the number one car podcast in the universe. Thank you. I'm Adam Carolla. It's Matt, the moderator, DeAndre over there. Hello. Cars, 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 yeah. and more cars. My God. I, I've been trained to kind of zip it around the family a little bit because of their wild disinterest in my my passion. I I know that's why you walk Phil nine times a day so you can call and talk chat cars, cars, talk cars. With, with Matt. I walk <laughs> and, and my dog and I call Matt and we talk about car stuff. Yeah, and uh, I realize I'm not a person who wears like uh, silk jackets that have Corvette emblazoned on the back or right. any of that stuff. I have no interest in that stuff. I have no interest in the sort of accoutrements that <laughs> yeah, involve yeah. the lifestyle. I just want something with the cars. Right. You don't have to dress like the car you own. But yeah, although, I, although the loafer game at Pebble Beach is strong. <laughs> I love that loafer game. I would challenge everybody who's listening, whether it's Amelia Island, possibly Arizona, but for sure, Pebble Beach, and we should do this, Max Pata, leading into the next uh, Laguna Seca, Monterey, Pebble Beach, whatever. Take pictures of the craziest loafers out yeah. there and send it into us because that's the best part of the trip. So the other version of that is because the weather is nice there and everybody's got the loafer game at the Scottsdale auctions. It, it's a little chilly, sometimes rainy. You walk around and you try to find out how Cowboy many boots. Now, how many jackets. That have a like a diamond stitch pattern, some sort Ooh. of quilted pattern mm-hmm. on the jackets. It's funny because I went around with my friend, uh, uh, and we counted like thirty of them. And then at the end of the weekend, we realized that the sweater I was wearing on the top of the shoulders of his diamond stitched. <laughs> yeah, but that's because you were a special forces British ops <laughs> right? commander all oh, those years. And I can't that's even... the sweater. That's a tactical sweater you're wearing. I can't even get it. I, I was flipping through the channels and there was some terrible movie on with Channing Tatum and he was in the army and and in the scene, his epaulets uh, on top of his shoulders that have his rank on it and throughout the scene, they were upside down and was driving me fucking insane. You know as a was... former... And then R-O-T-C the next scene, cut, they were right. They were the right oh. way. And I was like, "How did you miss this? It's so obvious." It's like, well, I oh, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have crazy. known that because I don't have the military background that you have. But yeah. in Ghost Rider, when they put those goalposts. <laughs> That's right. All right, so uh, we have Road Atlanta. Yes, coming up, uh, the Midi Vintage Racing Event. They're having a big um, Datsun. 
I guess Nissan Datsun is yeah. sort of the mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, when they have these events, they usually have a sponsor or they pick a mark, and that mark this year is Nissan. Hold on, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> All right, then I'll tell that. you that it's uh, it's April 27th through 29th at Road Atlanta. Right. Uh, which I, I've never been to. Be I cool. have. Uh, I will be there. Um, I will be excited to drive there the first time. I drove my Datsun Roadster Lightweight there. Interesting car. I traded it to uh, Les for... Paul Newman's 510 logbook before he destroyed the car, which is kind <laughs> of interesting. He proposed it. I have no idea. I, I know I got the short end of that stick. It's a weird car because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a low, it's a, it's a roadster lightweight, a 2000 roadster lightweight. They only made a few in this country or yeah. brought to this country. It's very rare, but it's been crazily modified with VW fenders and stuff on it and all that kind of stuff. And it works. That was the orange car. Right. Yeah. And it's a, it's like a really cool piece, but it doesn't really have a place in my collection. Although right. I'm sure we could put it on Bring a Trailer and make some money <laughs> <laughs> off of it. It's just not – it doesn't have a lot of vintage history. It's got some weird stuff it was it's a Craig Breedlove the uh the, the the world record speed holder Bonneville Flats guy his brother built it in like Denver and like autocrossed it or something it's got it's got a couple of pieces on it like John Morton said he made the oil pan for yeah. it so it's got some like BRE pieces on it and if i remember correctly because the roadsters are full frame cars they're actually a little heavier than you think they would be and to make the lightweight they would drill holes lightning holes in the frame uh, but that does take some structural integrity out. And I, I remember that if you like lifted it on like a four post lift and try to open the doors on the lift, I don't think it opens. It gets, gets a little snug. Oh, a little on tight. a four post or yeah. a two yeah, because, post? Well, oh, because two it post it's sitting on its it tire. In. Yeah, yeah. it kind of skews it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the cage and everything helps, but it's an interesting method of how they got it done. But, but it kind of throws back to like, you know, the Porsche 935s had like a ridiculous like aluminum roll cage in it that would do nothing. Right. You know, and now it's ha- now you have one hanging on the wall cuz it weighs a pound and a half. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that car, that car went to the MIDI uh several years ago and I drove like on a parade lap or something with it, but I wasn't in the MIDI race. So this year we'll, we're taking the 610. The 610's a Bob Sharp 610. 610's a nice piece. You guys have seen it. It's kind of my first vintage car. It's an authentic from the era Bob Sharp car. The history's a little, a little unclear, but the short story is, as, as told to me by Bob Sharp, uh, when he would race these cars, 510s, 610s, Z cars, he would do one up in full race prep, and then he would do another one up, same paint job, and 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 I guess many of the same parts, but not full race prep, and then they would bring one car and park it at the local Datsun dealer. And by the way, that's why that car says Datsun dealers on it or whatever. They'd park that thing at a Datsun dealer, and then the other car would be at the track. Yeah. And they'd be racing that car. Now, if Paul Newman, as he famously did, I think at Road Atlanta when he came down 
the the bowl or the downhill and then made the left got out made the right sorry got out of control and hit the tire barrier the hay bales or whatever and bent the unibodied 510 or the unibodied z car or the unibodied 610 they then quickly go grab that car out of the showroom bring it back Probably, obviously, you're swapping out the engine and you're swapping out the transmission or whatever it is, but the car would have to have a roll cage in it because you couldn't weld up and fab up a new roll cage. Yeah. And and uh, some of this is what Bob told me, and then others just sort of logic of me, like sort of connecting the dots. Like, you couldn't do camber plates on it. You couldn't do a roll cage on it. You couldn't do a fuel cell in it, like on the fly. So yeah, to fire speak. suppressant, like yeah, all like that stuff. Yeah, like at the track and, Yeah, that but gear weekend. changes and transmission with the new gear, with like that you can do. So they had essentially the backup car stored at a car dealer during races, and if they needed it. They would bring it with them yeah. to whatever the local dealer was. I think Bob would like go, let's have a raffle to see like the local Nissan dealer yeah. at Road Atlanta or in Atlanta or the one that we're going to at Sears Point or – uh, Mid Ohio, whatever. We'll just we'll park it there. But if we need it, we'll we'll use it. I think that was kind of the conceit. So this car was not the car that was raced. It was the car that was parked at the dealer. So it has no real race history. Period. Race history. But it's in fantastic shape. Yeah. Because the other and it's cars, got a story though. It's, yeah. It does have this great story to it. The other cars got of... the shit beat out of them because they were racing <laughs> yeah. all the time and all that goes along with, with that. Whereas this car paint, original paint job, pristine. At some point, then somebody got hold of it and they made it in a full vintage race prep and they used it a little and then they sold it to me. We should figure it out because I'm trying to think, like when they were displaying it at the Nissan. Well, yeah, probably it had a aforementioned roll cage, camber plates, yeah. fuel cell. You just couldn't fab that stuff up at the track. I, I wonder if any of the files we have, do we have any pictures of that car at the dealer? You know, maybe not online, but maybe in some of the boxes that Sharp sent over. Well, either way, um, our friend Dave Stone has the real car, and Troy Ermish is putting the fin- final touches, yeah. if he hasn't already, on that car, which is cool. And, I, and I'd rather have his car than my car, but I still like the fact that my car still has the Bob Sharp lacquer on it he put on it yeah. in 1974, or whatever, whatever it is. Like, it is all original. All right. Uh, so there's that. So we're going to Road Atlanta. Yeah. We're going to race that car. Um, we're looking for an Airbnb. I had a listener reach out to us and say he has a house right behind the track. <laughs> really? And then he said, "Sounds kind of stabby." In the woods, in the woods. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. But uh, <laughs> I said to Matt, "What's it like?" He said, "He sent a few pictures over." I said, "What do you think?" He's like, eh. and "I was like, all right, but we've done a lot worse than that." Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So we may just take that listener up. On uh, on his offer, yeah. we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, that's uh, Road Atlanta. That's uh, the six ten. We're working on transportation. We may bring two cars. We may bring one car. We'll we'll figure it all out. I don't know Road Atlanta very well or at all. So I'll try to 
dial it up on the simulator and take a few laps before we go yeah. out there. I'll go check some online stuff, you know, best line through Road Atlanta. That Those boring guys on the internet <laughs> who strap the... Uh, talk you through their hot lap and their it's nothing Canaan. like watching somebody's 90 minute YouTube video laps I, I, around I, Atlanta, I, I, Road Atlanta. before we went <laughs> before we did that Trans Am race at Willow Springs that's that's what I did I just went online and watched the guy in his 911 turn a bunch of hot laps yeah, yeah. and it was like turn in here and then it's always that stupid thing like when you get to the top of the horseshoe look for the b and budweiser on the side of oh, the, yeah, of the center stuff. block building you should be aiming straight at the b don't turn in until you're facing the b you know then they always give you this one the one that never works is is turn eight because it's so big it's so sweeping it's so fast and they're like you should see a windmill in the distance and like not not on the property or anything. Just as just, you're about halfway through turn eight, you're supposed to just look off into the yonder, yeah, and just uh, just into the distance, and you'll see a silo grain, <laughs> you <laughs> and know, a maintenance like, worker on the yeah, top. When that <laughs> silo grain lines up with your hood ornament, you should start turning in. <laughs> Like, it's it's weird because the car's vibrating so violently and it's so loud and you find yourself looking off into the distance for some silo grain or something, which means now I'm supposed to start moving, bring turning in. Or, <laughs> yeah. I never, it never really works. The better idea is find the guy who's faster than you because he's ahead of you and then follow him. Yeah. That's, do a, that's do a couple you know, like lead follow kind of laps. But yeah. uh, that guy that was running around in the 911 taking his video was his, uh, were his gauges in pit mode the whole time or, or how no, does that only work? only me. <laughs> he has analog stuff. Oh, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Find that guy. <laughs> now, Max Apata, if you type in Willow, Willow Springs best line, You'll find a guy in a 911 who will talk you through it. And when you get to turn eight, you'll see that he's talking about these landmarks that are on like in different time zones on different acreage that you're supposed to be looking at and and using. Yeah. And by the way, I can't even remember what I'm supposed to do once I see it. <laughs> something you'd just be lucky i found it maybe i'm supposed to turn or hit the brake i forgot what he said in the video but mm -hmm. but if it's a second too late or a half a second too late who knows but so rich uh, mcdonald is uh, gonna come in he's the sales and promotions uh, guy for super performance uh and super performance uh these guys do all the rolling chassis of all the cool cars we, do we have him narrating? Because I got a lot to talk to uh, Rich about. Do we have him uh, narrating this thing, uh, Max Apata? You want to move to the side of the track for the entrance to eight. Most cars will not need to brake. Many cars won't need to even let up on the gas. It's a very fast corner. You want to dive into it and get toward the inside edge of the track as fast as you can. There are washboard-like bumps in turn eight, and they're the worst mid-track. Just ride the inside, accelerating gradually, and looking for that very late apex. There is a red mark on the track for that, but you won't be looking at the track at this point. You'll just be going really fast. 
Here's turn eight at speed. Now I'm locked in this going. I'm not My go- only tip for turn eight is that, as scary as it is, people very rarely go off the track here. Eh. It can hold <laughs> a lot of speed. Many cars should be flat on the gas from the exit of five all the way to the exit of eight. It's hard to get your brain to accept this initially, but that's what repeated visits to Willow are for. Yeah, I've never been there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you got to find the one where he's telling you to look for the marker, or maybe it's the top of the horseshoe where he's telling you to aim for the B of the Budweiser. But no, Chris, you got to get out of turn eight for him to to tell you what to look for. Going into turn eight, yeah. And also, I was looking at it, and he's like, oh, he's going 125, 128. Like, I'm going, I'm going to be doing 163. Yeah. And his 128 seems exceedingly fast already. But Yeah. But now, after the fact, after you've done it, you've realized he, doesn't, he didn't have the arrow that you had. That's right. And, and that makes you grippier. Going, going up there, you know? It, Again, it was interesting. A good conversation to be had before the race. Before the race. <laughs> Would have been helpful. Anyway, you got it? All right, sorry. Now him here, here's exiting. Oh, there's a there's a turn nine? <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought it stopped at eight. All right, he'll, he'll talk you through it, Mr. Personality. Oh, track. And then doing some moderate braking when you're settled on the short straight between eight and nine. Then things get tricky. My tip is to spot the new building that's been put up near the entrance to the track. All right, how far away is that building from where where you you are? If he didn't have an arrow pointed to it, you'd never... I don't know what he's talking about. Toward the left edge of the track. But you want to do that drift very slowly. And you want to use the building you see as a reminder to look further to the right to a white water tower. (laughs) Oh my god, I told you! (laughs) You want to spot that tower and drive toward it. You want to let the line between you and that tower determine the path you'll take to the left side of the track and the turn-in point for turn nine. I went around that if turn. You had the time to look down. I went around that turn forty times. I think the first three times I was like, well, "Where's that water?" Tower? I was like, "Oh shit, the car's vibrating <laughs> you're going so, loud. so fast." There's no way you're going to see it. Here's the problem: when your track is surrounded by the worst environment ever, it's just dirt out there, dirt and dirt. That's it. That's why every other track is so much better than Willow. So it's a spot, a building, and then another water tower miles away from where, where you are. It's a speck in the horizon. It's a speck. <laughs> right, keep There's going no with it. I want to see what happens later. All right, so we see the first and building. You see that there are three red marks for cones on the very left edge of the track. If you have followed the path to the tower and resisted the urge to turn in too early... You'll want to finally make your turn in for nine right around the middle of those three red marks. Which you don't They're see because you're going 160 speed, miles an hour. That white tower is. No, it's not. There's Still, a whole bunch of stuff the in the marks. distance. <laughs> uh, there is almost yeah, let him always a cone at the apex of nine. You do not want to miss this apex by very much at all. When you get it right, you'll feel the car get drawn down to a low spot on the track right by that apex. If you feel that, you should know you'll be fine on the exit of nine. At that point, you can use as much of the left side of the track as you need. You'll probably be somewhere between 80 and 100 miles per hour when you pass that apex cone. If you got it right, you can relax, check your gauges, and accelerate down the main straight to set up your next lap. I remember just watching this video thinking we're all going to die. 
That's all I can think of. When he gets to the top, when he gets to the horseshoe, he'll tell you to look for the Budweiser, the B in the Budweiser sign, and point your car at the Budweiser sign. <laughs> we'll take a look at that in a second. First, I'll tell you about Omaze, yeah. man. Omaze are giving away their sixth Model 3 Tesla, the sixth one ever made. It belongs to Kimball Musk, Elon's brother, man. Yeah. Proceeds benefit big green learning gardens and food literacy programs. I'm telling you, there's one of these threes. It's like a gunmetal gray. It's right down the street from my house. I see it all the time. It's very nice. It looks like my wife's S, but um, just, I don't know, 20%, 15% smaller or something, but it looks good. Omaze offering uh, once-in-a-lifetime experiences and prizes. All you have to do is support a great cause for your chance to win. Donate as little as $10 for your chance to win. Check out all the prizes at Omaze, all the stuff they're offering at omaze.com slash carcast, O-M-A-Z-E dot com slash carcast and enter for your chance to win. Use the promo code CARCAST to double your chances and even if you don't win, all the money's going to a great cost. So why yeah. not? All right, like let's that. see what he wants us to do with the horseshoe here with the Budweiser <clears throat> building. Straight up the hill, ignoring that rumble strip you pass on the right. It's not an apex. And ignoring the fact that the track is turning a long couple of heartbeats before you do. I tell students to head for the B in Budweiser on the wall. Where? I can't even see it. It's not legit. It's not start seeable. turning to the right until the alternative is to shoot off the track. Also, you I think he just enter missed turn it. four to the left, much further to the left than your instincts will suggest. You want to keep the arc of this corner as wide as possible, where your speed will drop down to its lowest point on this slowest part of the track. I aim for that B and I went right off the track. You can't see that B at all. <laughs> all you see is square. You, to be fair, it's it's much clearer than the water tower in the, <laughs> in the other county. Yeah, right? well, it's about three miles closer to you, so it, it is a little bit easier to see. Right. All right. Uh, we put the nine thirty five on the dyno. Yeah, we did. So we took it down to uh, I think the place was called Redline in in Anaheim, mm-hmm. and. Uh, <clears throat> You know, when you drove it at Monterey, you felt like it was a little down on power. We sort of uh, narrowed that down to possible ignition issues, plugs and wires. We replaced all that stuff um, uh, with some amount of money <laughs> yes. on, the, on those plugs. And, uh, and just immediately firing it up, it seemed to run better. Uh, my, my take on the weekend was it started off okay but had probably some electrical issues – and as Sean put the spectroscope inside the cylinders after we removed the spark plugs and the wires, found that the two center cylinders on the right and left bank looked dry or had a lot of carbon or whatever it was. But his professional analysis was these two were not firing when this car was running last. Right. Or certainly misfiring. Not, and, that, it wasn't and that's consistent. why there was way down on power toward the end when yeah. I was trying to turn the boost up and get more power and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So we replaced the plugs, replaced the distributor cap, replaced the rotor, replaced the rotor had a crack in it. Yeah. And uh, then the wires. And then we put it on the dyno. Yeah. So we took it down there and um, <clears throat> we started running it a few times and was able to 
to look at actually like how much boost was being made. That was the other thing is I think we swapped out or the guys over there swapped out the, the to a to a, a functional From boost like gauge. Newtons or whatever. Yeah, it was some something. something to more readable. Right. Um, and uh, and the boost was Wait, a, is it Newtons? What is no, it? No, I, it, it it had it it had. Uh, Bar. It was a oh, bar. Yeah, there's pound and bar. Yeah, we 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 swapped the bar out to psi so we can get a, a little bit more. Yeah, it's natural. like fourteen point nine per bar. Yeah, pounds or something. Yeah. so they run them. It's at fourteen point like seven. Sorry, yeah, way off. and they run them. I remember just thinking it's right around fifteen. So one bar is is fit fourteen fifteen pounds, and so they run them at like one point three bar. Right. Right, so we were able to look at how much boost was going on. It was running pretty consistently, and it was it was it was running well. What we found out was was uh, we noticed a little, just a little hesitation, just like almost like a little bit of a misfire, and and we don't think it's ignition now. We think that was all kind of fixed. Um, so while we were there, we we ended up taking the there's like a little tube. It's like a little ninety degree tube that comes right off the turbo. We we welded a bung into it, put in the O2 sensor, allow us to get more Drill data. Drill the hole, weld the bung, yeah. put in the sensor, and uh, it was running a little rich, a safe amount of rich, not a you know not a, an overly amount, a safe amount. You can run it, and then we found the sweet spot, sweet the sweet spot to be about 19 pounds of boost. We tried 18, mm-hmm. we tried 19, we tried 20. It wasn't really making that much of a difference. So 19 is where we're at. And you're running consistently in uh, the 565 range of, of horsepower and 455-ish, 458 uh, pound-feet of torque. And this is, keep in mind, this is an air-cooled engine with twin turbos that has a big intercooler and it needs those side vents and the fenders to do that. So uh, using a couple of fans was the best we could do, uh, but we were running 563 horsepower, 565, 568 consistently under temp, which is pretty good, pretty strong. Um, however, after a good cool down, uh, about an hour or so, and then we went back under the same conditions and full cool, we we it hit 589. Um, wow, so almost I'm, 590. And is it 589 and change or do they just go that high? Uh, we'll post photos at carcastshow.com. Yeah, and we um, got some video of some runs, too, that we'll post up there as yeah, well. Yeah, um, and remember, that's to the rear wheels. So you can yeah. scrub off 10 it's to about 12, 10. Yeah. maybe, who knows, percent of through the rear wheels. So if you want to get to the crank, you're, you're well into the sixes. Um, it, do we it, have any video of that? No. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have any. Okay, me. who could have possibly anticipated that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, where is it? I didn't. I didn't know anybody even took video. So, uh, yeah. Did you, yes. Did you inquire we, about who took the video? No, I didn't. I didn't know. And I didn't know there was video being taken. There, mm. you've, you've done dinos, and no video has been taken. Huh? Is that a true statement? <laughs> Let's see. That's I don't a, know. The last uh, dino yeah. we took, we put a vid. As a matter of fact, if you go online and you look at you know, YouTube videos and like, you know, Adam drives uh, Paul Newman's race car at uh, Laguna Seca and Adam drives whatever. You want to see the one that has the most hits on it? Adam puts Newman car on, on a dyno. dyno. I know. Yeah. I recorded it. I know. Every, all yeah. video stuff for this show, I record. I wasn't asked to record this, so I assume there was no video. All right. Okay. Well, we have some video. But here's what I want to say. Matt, you should have said to producer Chris, hey, I got video. And then producer Chris, when you brought up the dyno in the 935, you should have said, is there any video? 
I'm sorry, both, Chris. Both, we have I'm video. Sorry. both failures, I'm sorry, everyone but me. No, I'm, I'd like to see the video, and I knew he took the video, so I assumed he shared it with you because I haven't seen it yet, just for my own selfish purposes. We'll we'll put it up, but I'm saying yeah. I assume you'd just tell him we got yeah, the video, we also, but I would assume you'd also go, do you have any video? We actually have a, a GoPro camera with a couple of different moved it around so we can cut something together and get you a couple of different angles. I mean, yeah, yeah. After I'm dead, we'll let my kids, <laughs> let kids enjoy it. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, I'll have a video. Well, I bet you would, but I'd like to hear it, too. Yeah. It well, Was it on your phone nice. or something? Yeah, it's on my phone. Well, you just can, you send, can watch it, it on my... send it to Chris, and he'll find it. We can, we'll throw it up, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. We'll, we'll put it together in a little, little more coherently, and when... At the time you're hearing this, you can also go to uh, carcastshow.com and uh, find it over there, Max Pata. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you guys about uh, ZipRecruiter. Why don't uh, you get uh, rich and we'll show them, uh, show them in, Kalen. Uh, ZipRecruiter, hiring. Mm, every business needs great people. And a better way to find them, ZipRecruiter built a platform that finds the right candidates for you. ZipRecruiter. Learns what you're looking for, uh, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to uh, apply to your job. 80% of employers who post a job at ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate in just one day. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash car. Try it out for free. If you're looking for a job, if you're looking for the right candidate, let's do it easily. Let's do it quickly. Let's go with ZipRecruiter, and you can try it out for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash car. Okay, Rich McDonald is uh, in studio with us. Good to see you, Rich. Good to see you, Adam. We will get that. uh, Oops, something went wrong with my stand here. This is broken. Oh, it broke. All right. Let's. I think we can fix it. All right. I shall fix. I shall fix it. Yeah. You talk to Rich, and we'll get this. Uh, we'll get this uh, nine thirty-five video. Yeah. Uh, sent I, ahead I think as the well. nine thirty-five video is being transferred to Kalen's laptop. Yeah. We now have to transfer to the search computer, and then we'll. Have yeah, to... I didn't see the search computer there. But All right. Uh, um. Anyway, uh, so the Superformance stuff, you guys have the Cobra, the Daytona, and the Corvette now, right? That's absolutely correct. Is there a GT40? GT40? There is there a GT40. Is. So I, here's the thing. is this, There's this new rule now about can you sell like a certain amount of turnkey cars? Does it still have to be that you could sell you guys – you know, you could sell somebody a car and then they buy an engine and transmission. They kind of, kind of put yeah, it in no, themselves. No, there, and, there has been a rule or a, a law that's been passed in 2015 that's going to allow manufacturers to build 500 cars with the engines a year. Um, but the EPA is still dragging their feet on that. So the law actually, since even though it's been passed in 2015, it has not yet gone into effect. So we're still back to – uh, building the car minus engine and transmission. And that's what we do. So we have a factory uh, in South Africa. We build our rolling chassis as complete cars minus engine and transmission. So we ship the cars over to our showroom in Irvine, and uh, the customer will typically come in uh, to our showroom or even find us online, and they would choose their engine and transmission. We'll send it down the street to uh, one of our preferred installers, uh, we have a really great engine and trans installer in orange, uh, V's Performance. And 
they'll put the, the powertrain in, send it back to our showroom. The customer comes and picks it up, and he drives away in his brand spanky new beautiful Cobra Daytona Coupe GT40 Corvette Grand Sport. So it's really just a technicality. And I'm, I'm guessing, is Roush the power plant or the weapon of choice? I think Roush from- and Lingenfelter? Lingenfelter. Uh, we have actually in one of our Corvette Grand Sports, we have one of Kenny's uh, LS3s engines in it. And it screams. Oh, well, that's yeah. right. Yeah, if you got the Corvette, you need the Lingenfelder. And if you got the Cobra, I guess you'd like the Roush. Roush. Right? Uh, we also uh, install Ford uh, 427 engines. We'll put Shelby 289s, 427 from the Shelby Engine Company. So whatever the customer wants to put in the car, we'll put in it. Um, I think I was with Pete Brock and we were hanging around in uh, – we were at the Italian concourse, whatever they had in uh, Pebble Beach uh, at the golf course uh, several years ago. And we we're talking about his Daytona. And he said that the original Daytona, he just didn't have enough time to contour the sides how he wanted to contour them. Yeah. He made them really slabby. But he said with the Superformance one that he was able to do the things he didn't have the time to. Yeah, he was do. telling us that on actually on each one of the original ones, he actually made slight modifications. No two are actually the same. But now I think working with, with you guys, he was able to kind of finalize his ideas. Yeah, that- he did. He uh, came over with Superformance. I've only been with the company for a year, but uh, Pete worked with uh, the factory and Superformance, and they created the Gen 1 Daytona Coupe. And we actually don't build the Gen 1 anymore. We only build the Shelby Daytonas with the CSX chassis numbers. But, yeah, Pete had a little bit of extra time uh, to do the things that he wanted to do to the original Daytonas, and he just couldn't. Actually, that original Daytona, the first ever, is CSX 2287, and that's the one that um, the Pete designed, the first one. It's the only one of the six built that was built entirely in the U.S., and uh my father fortunately ran that car to his first victory, uh, and that was at the 12 Hours of Sebring in 1964. Today is actually the anniversary, so it's funny that you should bring up that first Daytona, uh, that he won that race at Sebring in 1964. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of, of that accomplishment. So won the first manufacturer's championship for, for an American brand. Um, had, you know, crazy story about, uh, you know, going to Daytona and – coming in and catching on fire and if Shelby wanted to refuel it, he probably didn't need to refuel it, but he wanted to refuel it. It was in for tires or something. And then a fire broke out and it was like, they could have got back out going again, but Shelby was pissed and said, screw it or whatever. It's a, it's a very, a lot of interesting stuff. Then going to Sebring and having the torrential rainstorm, um, that was 65. That was the next year. And then winning the uh, the class at Le Mans and, and the championship. And then, of course, um, Ford seeing what Shelby and his ragtag group mm-hmm. of guys in Venice were doing with his car, saying, hey, how about you get involved with the GT40 program? And uh, the rest is history. So speaking of GT40s, they, had the, they have the first gen. They have the uh, Mark. Two or Mark one, Mark, Mark two. Mark right. two. They had the big block. They had the small block. Which ones do you guys have? We sell uh, the Mark one and the Mark two. So the Mark one will uh, take a small block. The Mark two will take a big block or a small block. Um, beautiful cars. They have uh, pressed uh, 
steel roof, reinforced roof. You got a steel monocoque chassis. They're just absolutely stunning cars. And so we have um, two or three in our showroom right now, and it takes about – it used to take well, – the cars are in such demand right now, Adam, that it used to take 13 and a half months to get them built and brought over from the factory to Irvine. But we've ramped up production as of the first of this year. So it only takes – if a customer wants to come in and order a GT40 from us, it takes six and a half months for it to arrive in Irvine. And then, like I said, we'll send it to one of our engine installers – uh, they'll put the powertrain in it in six or seven weeks, and they come back. Uh, they're ready to pick up their car. Do you, do you offer a like a street car and race car version, or do you make some modifications to make it more streetable or more raceable? Yeah, no, no, we do. On the GT40 specifically, we offer uh, the GT40R, which is a race version. So you want to just track that. Um, the, the regular GT40 you can get. You could put it on the track, track the hell out of it. The cars are super fast, and you could also drive it on the street. So the GT40 uh, Mark One and Mark Two are both street legal cars. How do you do uh, rims, tires, brakes, and and sizes? And I'll I'll tell you where I'm, where I'm getting to. I, I had a friend who was building one many years ago. And he said, I'm going with the 18-inch rims because I want the big brakes. And I said, man, the look of that, first first to mark <laughs> one for early small block ones. Yeah. I said, the look of that tire it needs on some the side, needs some sidewall, yeah. needs some 60 series sidewall on it because it was such a part of the look, that sort of bold. And if you go with the super big modern rims with the 35 series rubber bands on it, it's going to screw the look up. Like you'll get the bigger brakes, maybe you get the better handling. But the authentic look, I'd rather have the smaller brake package and the 15-inch rims with the knockoffs and the 60 series with the little bulge and some sidewall aesthetically. Um, how does that work for you guys? How does it work for your customers? And I'm guessing brakes have come a ways in the last few years, and you can get an effective brake in a smaller package now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in terms of the GT40s, we don't sell any GT40s with 18-inch tires and rims. I mean, people that come to us, they want to get a period-correct GT40. Our cars, only GT40 in the world that actually carry the original trademark and license, comes with a GT40P chassis Even number. Ford can't carry the GT40 license. <laughs> no. They can just say GT. Yeah, they can say <laughs> yeah. a Ford GT, but not a GT40. Right. Yeah, they're legit. They're period correct. So the people that come to us, uh, not just for the GT40s, but Daytonas, Cobras, Corvette Grand Sports, they want a car that looks period correct. Uh, they remember back in the days. They remember these cars, and they want a car that looks and feels and sounds like that. So in terms of the GT40, it's always 15-inch uh, BRM-style wheels. Uh, um, yeah, never never an 18-inch low-profile package Good. Uh, tires and rims on a GT40. I, All right, a, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, <laughs> I so can I'm help you now. guys. Yeah. I'm guessing uh, – I'm just going to guess. 15 nines in the front, 15 – 12, thir- 13s in the rear. Yeah, yeah. You're guessing right. I'm a tire and wheel guy. I, I have <laughs> no, no business you podcasting. Yeah. I should be sitting around looking at people's yeah. tires and wheels and talking about offsets. <laughs> T&W. Tires and wheels. <laughs> T&W. I'm so, so obsessed. I'm, only watches it at night when the kids are asleep. T&W. <laughs> I was literally on like uh, Roger Krause's website like last oh, night. that's like porn. Do you have to subscribe <laughs> to that site? <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting there looking at uh, our race tires that we're going to yeah. run at uh, Atlanta, and I'm like, well, they make the Hoosier R7s. 
But if I went with the 22550 series, it'd be a little smaller tire, but have a little bigger tread pattern yeah. on there. But I don't know if that would piss off my run group. <laughs> and how much do they weigh? <laughs> That's right. How much do they weigh? Make some calls. Somebody's got to be awake. So the cars, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm glad we got the tire wheels sorted out. Do you guys work with Bear or Brembo or StopTech or, or somebody exclusively, or is that also a sort of customer desired? Yeah, we we work with thing. different manufacturers for the rims, and it's, it's not just the GT40. Um, our Daytona Coupes, uh, our Cobra is the only manufacturer in the world to offer Cobras that are licensed by Shelby American. Uh, our Corvette Grand Sport carries uh, a license from General Motors. So the cars that we build, we're the only company in the world that actually has the license from the original manufacturers. The uh, the Grand Sport is a great historic race car, and it's beautiful. And It's a great-looking car as well. I remember when it was on tour with you guys and, and – and it's got onto the the radar as yeah. of as of late. Obviously, Cobras have been around a million years. Um, everyone remembers, and and of course, the GT Forty's awesome platform. The the Daytona is a very interesting choice. One I applaud, not one that would top, jump to the leap of oh, your, top of your list of hey, what car should we duplicate? Like that's uh, it very mind. obscure. It would well, I love that car, and I, I was literally I've always thought about it. I, it's, it's beautiful because we all love the big front engine GT. Yeah. You know, looks like it looks like a it's got a Porsche Daytona. I mean, I mean Ferrari Daytona. It's got that yeah, long, yeah. you know, that great look, great look, but. What is next then? What can we talk about? What are we thinking about? What irons are in the fire? Well, we're just sticking to what uh, to what we do. You know, we uh, like I said, we offer a huge uh, selection of cars with the Corvette Grand Sport, Daytona, the Cobra, and we also offer. Um, we're building now all of Shelby's Cobras and Daytonas. So we'll offer the Superformance Cobra, the Mark III, Mark II, the slab side car, which I think is beautiful. That is my favorite Cobra that we offer. I mean, that's how they were brought over in 1962 when Shelby got the, the chassis, brought it over, put stuff, the 260 uh, Ford engine in it. When it was brought over in the first early races, they didn't have the big hips on the side. They were slab sides, flat on the side, beautiful, elegant-looking cars, but they were also fast. So um, – when Cobra won its first race, my father was actually behind the wheel, and that was at Riverside in 1963, and it was a slab side. So I am very partial to uh, – you know, I like them all. I like the big hip 427s. Cobra, even the you're saying Cobra FIs. Daytona or Cobra – The Roadsters. The so Roadsters. Back when uh, when Carroll first brought the Cobras over, the Daytona hadn't been uh, even thought up in right. Pete's head at this right. point. So right. it was the Cobra. Um, Billy Krause was the original Cobra driver for Carroll, and he ran uh, throughout 1962. Carroll then uh, hired my father to race in 1963, and he and Kenny Miles were both hired at the same time. And the first race ever for Cobra was at um, Riverside. Well, that was earlier in the year with Billy Krause. But the first race my dad and Ken ran was February 1963 at Riverside, and my father won that race. Now, if if memory serves – the first time they went out, they really whooped up on the vets and then I think broke or something. But but it was clear how much faster these cars were the than were. the Cobras were than the vets. But they didn't get the win, but they got a message sent. Everyone understood how fast these cars were. I did not know 
that they changed the body. I thought they just came over from AC Bristol and they just it was what it was, and then they dropped the two sixty in it, and then later right, the two eighty nine. Right. But I, you're saying they changed the body later, as later. so yeah. Well, when they first brought it over, AC Bristol it was a two sixty that was stuffed in. That was at Riverside. Uh, they ran the 260 again at Daytona a couple weeks later, and that was it for the 260s. So right after that, uh, Shelby went to Dodger Stadium in the third race for my father, and that's when they first ran the 289. But while they ran, by the way, he ran he uh, won Dodger Stadium too, both Saturday and Sunday. And Kenny Miles again uh, was second place in that day in that race. But that's after, out in the parking lot of Dodger it, Stadium. It surrounded the stadium. <laughs> yeah, wow, you go around lot. the stadium. Yeah, how cool! There's some wow. elevation changes there. Yeah, how cool! Uh, do you have? Uh, do we got our our dyno yet? No, I, I uh, texted Matt. I need you to email it to me. Oh come on! Oh, man. I can't do that because I already tried. It's like seventy megs, and it won't let me email. All right, we're we're gonna borrow your phone for a sec. You guys are on top of yeah. your game. All right, give me your phone, and we'll. Uh, I'm dying to see what my nine thirty five on that uh, that dyno. Those are well-oiled machine. <sighs> Speaking of oil and well oil, how about Castrol Edge, man? Designed for consumers who demand the best, not from their production staff, but from their oil, everybody. Tech advances have made engines smaller, more powerful. That's right. Think about, we're talking about the 260, then you go to the 289, then you go to the 427. 260 is like <laughs> considered like a four and a half liter or something today. Um, yeah, a four plus, four plus uh, liter. That's considered a big engine. Back then it was considered too small. Yeah, too for, small. For a two-seater made of <laughs> aluminum. <laughs> so uh, engines have definitely gotten smaller, everybody, and that's why we need more out of the oil, and that's why we go with Castrol Edge, formulated with fluid titanium technology, three times stronger against viscosity breakdown than the leading full synthetic. So um, – the uh, sorry, back to uh, back to Cobra, back to uh, all things Superformance. Yeah, now that you guys are doing the the Shelby deal, it seems like is is the Roadster the most popular car in the lineup right now, or or is is there really something else in there? Well, in terms of the most popular car, um, it's still our Superformance Mark III. We'll sell six or seven of those Mark Threes to any of the other car that we have uh, in our lineup. It's less expensive, too. You can get a fully built-out, optioned-out uh, Superformance Mark III Cobra for between eighty-five and 95000 When you start talking about the continuation Cobras like um, the 6000 series, the 8000 series, um, you're looking at uh, 150, 160,000. So it gets up. So that the price point may have a little bit to do with why we sell so many more Mark Threes. But um, our Shelby Legendary Cars division is um, our retail arm for building and selling um, the Shelby Cobras. So the Shelbys come with CSX uh, chassis stamps. You can also get a Shelby engine company engine put in them, which we recommend. Uh, and that also comes with a matching CSX chassis stamp uh, on the engine. How if, – if you wanted to take uh, the uh, Shelby Daytona and you said, I want this car to be as user-friendly as, as humanly possible. Like let's just say uh, I want it to be an automatic. I want it to have 
big big air filters and big mufflers so I don't wake up the neighbors. Yeah. I, you want I, air in it? I want air. Okay. I want air in a defroster. <laughs> uh, I want it to I want it to handle, but I don't want to feel every bump in the road. Is there such a thing as setting a car up that had a feel? Now it's probably not going to feel like an Audi A7, but as close as you could get to like I would like to make this Cobra Daytona a daily driver. Is there a version of that car? There is. We'll do whatever the customer wants. We'll set it up however they want. We'll even put a stereo in it for you. Right. Does Um, anybody ask for that? Yeah, a couple people we have put, you know, I don't know why. I mean, the engine noise is all you really want to hear. But uh, what about like the comfort suspension that Adam's talking about and maybe AC or like some sort of, you know, vintage air systems? People say they want to drive the cars. I'm curious, like, how many people is it? 20% 20% of the cars, or is it's it less than that? Yeah. Again, people that come to us and our cars are so accurately built, that's what they want. They remember the cars, they want to have the cars that they drive look just like the cars that yeah. they remember seeing back in the 60s. So the overwhelming majority of our customers want them to look, sound, and feel, period, correct. Yeah. They want to be, they, when they get behind the wheel, they want to be dropped back in in 1963, four, and five. Yeah, but Adam needs Bluetooth. He does a lot of phone <laughs> meetings. Bluetooth. <laughs> like a lot of phone meetings. Like we can do that stick. for him. Like a like Bluetooth with that works though. Like if yeah, you <laughs> mine's a little spotty in the jack. All right, uh, we got uh, a little dyno action on the uh, nine thirty five. Just because I want to, because I want to hear it. That's the scariest part about a race car is the dyno. You, you can't stand in that room while you're doing it. It's so loud. Yeah. We got to get some mufflers on that car yeah, and a right? vintage air system in there as well. I can't hear a thing. <laughs> so what that best? That's the 489? That's the 589. Yeah, that run. was... That was our. That was the big cold run, but it, I mean, it's so crazy loud in that room. Also, like a little dangerous because you never really know. I, the most scared I've ever been in a race car is sitting in a race car that's strapped down to a dyno. Yeah, that's the scariest. It's not in and of itself scary, but then when you get out of the car, you go, "I'm not getting back in this car. Not on a racetrack. I'm not." Yeah, but then on the racetrack, it's much nicer. It is, and it's it's louder in the room because it's just you're just. You're just in a big. I mean, you're just in a room with just cement walls that are just reflecting sound, and I you're doing it. everything you can to cover your ears. But uh, it ran great. Um, I uh, we're excited about taking that car to Rent Sport this year. Yeah, we are. We should uh, we should do that. I think we're going to do it. All yeah. right, give a little Geico. Yeah, I'm love. Tell you about Geico. So everybody's got a to do list. You know, you're dropping off your dry cleaning. You're picking up some milk. Now you can add save hundreds of dollars of car insurance to that list. You don't have to pick up or drop off anything. You just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you need some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. You can go to Geico.com. All right. Uh, I'm doing shows at uh, Gore Theater in Cleveland. That's uh, May 17th. And then Royal Oak in uh, Detroit. That'll be uh, May 18th. And then maybe we'll get a show going somewhere 
outside of uh, Atlanta when we go to Road Atlanta. We'll yeah, figure that out. That's April 27th through 29th. Yeah. We do, uh, in no particular numerical order, uh, April 6th, that'll be before the May shows, obviously, we'll do uh, Madison. Uh Capitol Theater and Esports Arena. It's a live podcast. That's on April twenty first. And we'll you go to AdamCroll.com, you can find out all these uh these dates for live shows and everything everywhere. If you'd like to check out some super performance, and that is a really cool website and it's everything you need to see. And I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean for the price of uh I don't know. Yeah, we'll get back to uh, eh, some yeah. sort of BMW something or Audi something. And, yeah, you're or, Cayman. Or bottom sort of lower end Porsche. You could get yourself uh, a conversation piece, man. Hell yeah. I think for me, I go either the Daytona Cobra or the uh, maybe let's say maybe the uh, maybe the GT40s. I'd, I'd say. Yeah, I like the Daytona, and I do like the Grand Sport. When you see that thing up close with the leather straps holding the, yeah, you know, the hood yeah. down, and it's it looks good. Well, I'll tell you, Adam, we just uh, with Shelby debuted um, beautiful Cobra. I think it'd be perfect for you. It's the Shelby Sebring. It's got the automatic Cobra. at the air. It, it doesn't have <laughs> <laughs> one, two, and the bazooka. <laughs> But um, box in the back. Yeah. It's got a period correct CSX 2000 series chassis number. It looks just like the cars when they ran them at Sebring in '63. So the customer can actually choose how they want the car to be liveried. They could choose uh, between one of four legendary drivers. He could have the car liveried the way Dan Gurney drove it uh, at Sebring in 1963. The black with the yellow stripes, number 15. It was the car that was on. Uh, what was that? The Rip Chords album back mm-hmm. in 1964. You they can sung have the, the car- song "Hey Little Cobra." Don't you I know did I'm not. Shut I you did down? not know oh, yeah. that. You're too young. Too young. <laughs> you could have a liveried after Alan Grant, Kenny Miles, or Dave McDonald, uh, which is my father. So I was think that this the car- race where Dan Gurney's car just quit and he tried to push it a- a- across at the end. He was in a Lotus in that race. That was actually the Daytona Continental in 1962. Oh. He also did that at Le Mans where yeah. he pushed the GT40 yeah, yeah, over the talking. line and he got disqualified for doing so. Had he left the car – oh, you, you guys discussed that in your movie in the 24-Hour yeah. War. Had he left the car where it was and not pushed it, he would have come in second due uh, to distance travel. Unbelievable. What a legend. He shall be missed. All right. S- super formants. If you want to go .com, if one word, if you uh, would like to go check out all the really bitching stuff. And again, us, just go to do what, Matt? Shift and Steer, Facebook, what shall everyone do? Yeah, check us out at carcastshow.com. And of course, uh, uh, the, the episodes every Wednesday with myself and Goldberg as well. And shiftandsteer.com. Check it out. All right. So until next time, it's Adam Carolla for Matt, the Motor Raider. Sorry, D'Andrea. Rich McDonald saying, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com.